0: Welcome to On Point and Counterpoint Podcast, Episode 30. It's been a while since I released an episode, and, and I'm sorry about that, but I have been fairly busy lately. Folks, there has been a good deal of controversy lately about how the council receives, or more accurately, fails to receive citizen input during council meetings. Since the beginning of the year, the City Council has limited the amount of time citizens can address the council to three minutes, and I am 100% certain that this was done on the advice of the new city manager, Alan Carson. Now, this was the policy before Mr. Hobbs became mayor, and that unofficial policy never really changed, but, but Hobbs was too incompetent to really enforce the policy. Plus, it was very clear to all involved that during his first term as mayor, Hobbs and his buddy, Monty Lewis, were stirring up controversies, and and Hobbs felt it was beneficial to him to allow people to talk for 5, 10, even 15 minutes. Now, I'm sure that Hobbs, uh, David Huffstetler, and Terry Scott really wished that they could go back to the three-minute limit after their infamous pine tree debacle, but even those guys would have known enough to understand that you can't let folks yap on forever when you like it, but limit them when you don't like it. So, using the new year and the hiring of Mr. Carson as city manager as a reason for this, Hobbs announced this at the January 14, 2019 meeting.
1: When you come to the podium, would you state your name and where you live? Also, I need to add, we're starting out the year where citizens to be heard, come forward. We will be limiting the time to speak to three minutes. Thank you.
0: Now, in that very same meeting, our illustrious suspended mayor completely flubbed when it came to receiving citizens' input. This is what happened.
1: Okay, moving on to old business. Consider on second reading, ordinance to adjust the water rates, natural gas rates, sewer rates, and sanitation service <coughs> rates. Ms. Casey. Do I hear a motion?
0: So moved.
1: Motion by Mr. Huffstetler. Second. Second by no. Mr. Flowers. Any discussion? Hearing none, i call the question. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed, aye. Say, any opposed say nay. Okay. Passes. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: Talk, talk. Yeah. You wanted to talk on that? Yes. When I said discussion... Okay. And you wanted to do it. When you said discussion, you were talking to your board, your, your council, <coughs> you were talking to us. I That's s- why we asked the question, because people
2: wanted to come up and talk
1: about this increase before you voted. I said discussion. Discussion to me? Anybody. You asked the question, could someone speak when the item you come up. We thought you were just talking about your before you all voted. And then I didn't hear credit votes so I don't know who voted. So I'm just wondering, did you say before you voted, do you have any, you know, anyone after I had asked the question, I was all fair <clears> before you all voted. That's why people like me, you know, we voted, um, but if someone want to come up and speak, come up.
2: So you come up and speak. I, I, okay. Unless you're going to change your vote. Unless you're going to vote again. I wouldn't. Okay. 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 You, that's why you should be yeah,
1: able to come up before that. Because we, yeah.
0: So, Ms. Lucinda Brown wanted to address the city council about the ordinance to change utility rates, and she had let the council know that at the beginning of the meeting. Now, for some reason, this audio is not available from the city archives, but you can hear in, in the clip I just played other council members referencing her desire to address the council. But, but Hobbs just blew on past that. Now, as a result of Hobbs' screw-up, Alan Carson, again the new city manager, announced this during the January 28th workshop.
2: Uh, Just as a a point of reference, um, since I'm assuming most of you will attend the city council meeting tonight, do I have that right? Well, what we're going to do is we talked last time about um, in order to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to speak who wants to speak, there'll be a sign-up sheet. Felicia will have that. Uh, once we once we everybody signs up that'll be given to the mayor um, the mayor will call the meeting to order and then there'll be a, po- a comment time from the public uh, and so you'll be able to, you'll be called up in the order that you signed up in you can speak on any topic that you wish and anything related to the agenda uh, our city attorney Tim Sanders will have the cards we we ask that you hold that to three minutes And once all that comment time finishes then we'll move through the agenda and we won't have any more interruptions for the meeting okay so that's the way we'll operate uh from that point on and we hope we have a nice smooth meeting and i thank everybody for coming
0: for years well predating my time on the council which began in 2006 the council policy was to allow the public to address the council about anything at the beginning of the meeting then to allow public input about specific votes when that item was before the council. It didn't happen too often, but occasionally there was additional information provided by citizens and discussions between the city council and citizens that affected the outcome of the vote. Then in a span of a couple of weeks, citizens go from very broad access to address the council to extremely limited access. What if, for example, you happen to be in favor of a project like what's going on now on West Jackson Street, just as an example? Suppose that there was nothing to indicate that there was material opposition to the project, either on the council or in the community. Historically, in Thomasville, if someone spoke in opposition to the vote, and, and you and other like-minded citizens uh, wanted to, you would be able to speak in in favor of the vote um, and let the council know that you supported the project or vice versa. Um, now, one person, hypothetically, the one person in the community opposed to the project could put their name on the list to address the council at the beginning of a meeting in which the vote is to take place. They don't have to give a reason they want to address the council and then speak in opposition to this hypothetical project. And that one person, the one person in the community that is opposed to the project, is the only one that the city council would hear from prior to voting. Okay, imagine if this had been in place during the pine tree debacle. This this present plan might continue to work as long as there are no controversial decisions before the council but but make no mistake about it this will not work when controversial issues are before the council compounding this problem will be that there will be certain members of certain council members who will manipulate this system so that only one side of an issue gets discussed with the council there has been enough negative feedback from the public over this issue that i am certain some changes to procedures will happen uh, david huffstetter appears to now be championing the public input, uh, so something probably will change. Um, It is absolutely impossible that the present city council um, policy would survive the next controversial matter unless the council chose to throw dozens of citizens out of the council chambers. Uh, Hopefully a policy modification will occur so that feedback from the community can be given to the council before something ugly like that happens. This might mean that council members' uh, council meetings take a little bit longer. It may delay certain council members from getting to the plaza bar, but these council members are already spending so much less time in meetings than council members have historically spent. They should be okay. And let me say this there is absolutely no legal requirement that the council let the public speak at all during meetings or workshops. They have to be public, but there's no requirement that the public gets to interact in any way with the council members. But this is just not how things are done in Thomasville, at least not historically. All right. This issue is fixable. A simple policy change is, is all that's really needed. However, what really concerns me is not the council meetings as of late, but the council workshops. During my 12 years on the council, and this well predates that, the council spent at least four hours a month on average in open meeting workshops. We had two Wednesday workshops that lasted at least an hour, often significantly longer than that. We actually moved them up to start at 4 o'clock instead of 4.30, so going to church at 6 o'clock would not be interfered with. Then there was also a workshop which began an hour before the regularly scheduled council meetings, and and usually that whole hour was used by the council. Um, There were two of those per month, two two of the workshops before the regularly scheduled council meetings. I am certain that some of this time was wasted, Um, and and if you look at recent council workshops and tried to imagine being stuck in in those for four hours a month, it it would seem like torture because all that's really being done is to preview the upcoming city council meeting and its agenda um, and, and the council going through the agenda line by line. That's really all they do. Folks, the council has averaged about 40 minutes of workshop per month since the beginning of the year. And there, there is a good reason for that. Look at the agendas as of late. There really is nothing to decide. Robots could do it. The police department is going to need new vehicles every year unless we want to end up with officers having to walk. Budget reconciliations are going to be passed. Cemetery lot transfers are going to occur. Licenses are going to be given to qualified applicants, and own and own and own. There really isn't much in the way of decisions that need to be made by the city council, especially as of late. Sure, David Huffstetler can grandstand about wanting to see more bids, um, and, and things like that, but in every case thus far at least, the answer ultimately ends up being what was originally proposed by the staff. However, the big difference in the way these workshops have historically been conducted and now, and this is what concerns me, is that the majority of the time spent in council workshops by the council was historically spent addressing big-picture future issues and not the mundane here-and-now issues. During my tenure, the city had, and and still very much has, a wonderfully competent staff who were and are more than capable, certainly more capable than the city council, to handle the here-and-now issues. Sure, the council needed to and did spend the appropriate amount of time addressing those issues, However, what's concern, what concerns me is that I am aware of the vast amount of time spent by the council on projects and issues that were years in the making. For example, let's look at the present improvement project on West Jackson Street. All right, this can be dated to at least 2012 and probably to 2010 or even earlier. When the Madison Street project was underway... It was clear to the council and that that the bottom needed some serious attention. Uh, after Madison Street, pro- after the Madison Street project wrapped up in twenty ten or twenty eleven, the first easy step uh, to help improve that area was to expose the historic bricks on the on the West Jackson Street down to the bottom. Um, this happened in about this happened in two thousand twelve. And it was obvious that other improvements to the bottom were were needed, and those improvements were envisioned, discussed, planned, et cetera. That began in about 2012. Well, you see, it's 2019. It's taken that long for uh, that project to fully come to fruition. The same long-range thinking was what led to Cherokee Park improvements. Um, Even though this happened while I was on the city council, The planning for that project had been going on for years before I was elected. It's not just park and road improvements that are the result of long-range planning. Undoubtedly, the best example of this is the city's pension plan. Without a doubt, the biggest problem that most cities, counties, etc. face is their pension liabilities. This problem is, for most cities, so big, so bad, so ugly that most of them do everything in their power to ignore them. Because for many cities in this country, the problem is so bad it can never be fixed. Basically, this is the issue. Many cities have pension plans that are grossly underfunded. Most cities have pension plans that are grossly underfunded. What that means is that they haven't saved enough money to make the pension payments to their retired employees, and their future retired employees. If you take an employee who just retired, say at age 60, there's a calculation that determines what pension payment that employee is going to receive each month for the rest of his life. Then you get an actuary to come in and project how long that period will be on average. Then you see how much money you, or or the city, has saved to make those payments. If you've saved enough that with a reasonable return on investment, you can make those payments for the rest of that hypothetical employee's life, then you're fully funded. If not, the city is underfunded. But this is way too simple. Most cities are adding employees to their pension plan. So you've got to Look at a hypothetical newly newly hired employee, say twenty years old, and project how long she will work for the city. You've got to project how how much she will be make, how much money she will be making during her career with the city, and how long she will live after retirement. Then you take all of these employees and you kind of bundle them together, or, or more appropriately, you bundle the future payments that the city is going to have to make to them. Uh, together and project what all these payments will be and see if the city has saved enough money to make these payments. But even that is still grossly undersimplified. Let's say you you ran this already mind-blowingly complex calculation, and it is determined that indeed the city has saved enough money to make these future payments with a reasonable return on investment on those savings. Okay, here's the problem. Many, most, or nearly all cities overstate or overestimate what returns on investment will be on this money that they've saved. What this does is it makes the problem look vastly smaller. It really does. It makes Godzilla look like one of those little lizards on your window, but it's still Godzilla and it's still coming. Um, Warren Buffett described... Unfunded public pensions as a disaster that companies and individuals must consider when when deciding where to expand or move. Um, From a Bloomberg article, public pensions are a disaster. This is from the Wall Street Journal. The pension hole for U.S. cities and states is the size of the German economy. Um, There's even a website called PensionTsunami.com, that just really just all it does is accumulates articles about the pending disaster for cities, counties, and states that will be a result of um, underfunded pensions. Okay, what Thomasville did, and this took at least two decades of forward thinking and planning, was to close the pension fund uh, back in the late 1990s and, and, and put new employees Um, on on what's basically the municipal version of a 401k plan. Then, over the course of the following decades, um, made additional payments into the pension fund so that when you do all of those very complex calculations that I just described and look at what Thomasville has saved up to make those payments, if a very conservative return is made on those assets, Thomasville does, in fact, have enough money saved to make those payments. We will not be sticking future generations with an unfixable problem. We will not be feeding our kids or grandkids to Godzilla. Now, this really did take decades of strategic planning, both at the city staff and the city council level. Another great example of long-range strategic planning is, is CNS and RoseNet. These didn't just pop up one day, well before I was on the council. Uh, Decades before I was on the council, a decade before I was on the council, at least, the city decided to make a very large investment in the telecom business. And this has been both a tremendous financial success, but more importantly, it kept Thomasville out out of the digital dark ages, which has been a large contributor to wrecking many other rural communities. Other achievements that the city has made, the elimination of property taxes. This took years of long-range planning. Dozens of council hours um, were devoted to making this happen. It wasn't like, hey, I got an idea. Let's set the millage rate at zero. And it happened. This took years. The planning of the amphitheater from the idea phase to the completion phase took nearly a decade. Look at downtown. Its present vibrancy owes a lot to strategic planning that began in the 1980s and has continued up until very recently. I could go on with examples, but the bottom line is this. Thomasville is what it is today because of, realistically, a century of good decision-making. And those decisions were clearly not made quickly. Alan Carson, the new city manager, appears to be doing an excellent job. I had reservations, but the council did find a very good man for the job, and he's done a lot to restore stability uh, within the city. And I understand this. You can't be thinking about remodeling a house or adding on to it when it's on fire. And several council members and and, and one suspended council member are are really responsible for lighting that fire. I get it. Mr. Carson's first and most important job has been to put that fire out, which it looks like he's done a pretty good job of. Uh, Maybe it's still smoldering, but at least there aren't flames coming out the roof anymore. And I also understand this. Alan Carson had to muzzle several members of the city council. He had to put a stop, a stop to stuff like this coming out of the city council.
1: And, and we got also um, this need to be noted because this didn't come up before. We are not city employees. We don't have the same we don't have the same spending as city employees. They have a limit when mm-hmm. it comes to eating. We cannot go out of town where we go and stay and eat breakfast for less than $25. Hmm. And the spending for staff is $40 per day. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it's, it's no different than what we've been doing. And, and I think you're right. We, we need to make sure that there's enough allotted for us so that we don't go over. Mm-hmm. But we we don't follow the same when it comes to spending, that's why the council should have their own spending. As a matter of fact, we all have it as the council, but one council member may spend more money than the other one. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't elected as a group. It was elected individually.
0: Mm-hmm. So we. Need- or this.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't be there tonight. I'm suffering up here as we speak at Chateau Lawn and Brazleton. It is city business, so it won't be all the place. But also- or this one. What I consider at the bare minimum of gentleman's agreement between the city council and the county commission, and it appears like we just thrown that out the window.
0: Or this. For those of you who discussing
1: about the anal items and accusations and stuff, all I want to do is to remind you all that we are live stream, and there are folks watching. So your comments that you're making this public meet is on the record, and it could possibly be used against you at a later date. So I'm just reminding you all, when you come stand up and make those allegations, you're being watched.
0: I get it. These comments are just throwing gasoline on the fire. Carson had to stop this nonsense, and about the only way to eliminate this stuff was largely to stop a couple of of the council members from talking very much. So the meetings had to be shortened, and the meetings had to be kept very basic. Eventually... And this needs to happen sooner rather than later. Somehow, the city council collectively, particularly a couple of the city council members, have to stop messing around in areas that they shouldn't be involved in, which is what, to a large extent, lit this fire in the first place. Most of the present city council members were, were not involved or were barely involved in the comprehensive plan that passed last August. It's clear from archived meeting video that the Blueprint 2028 process was a mystery to most of them. Jay Flowers was really the only council council member who who got meaningfully involved in the process, attended most of the meetings, and, and quite frankly, is probably the only one that's familiar with the documents that came out of that process. Now, the results of that plan are absolutely terrific, but it cannot just gather dust on a shelf at the city council level. It's got to be used if it's going to have any uh, meaning, and, and the council needs to be behind that. And even if the council was to roll up their sleeves with that 2028 process and, and get behind the plan, there'd still be other work that needs to be done. I don't have any doubt that the city staff is still looking into the future to see what they can do to protect and enhance Thomasville. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. Um, But this really does need council leadership. Folks, go to thomasville.org. Then go to the city council homepage and and click strategic plan. What you'll see is the 2014 through 2018 strategic plan, at at least at the time of this recording. But I bet this gets uh, taken down pretty quickly. Anyway, if that happens, I will put that uh, the 2014 through 2018 strategic plan on this podcast Facebook page. Um, this is just evidence of exactly what I've been talking about. Uh, most of the city council members have not been looking after the future of our community. This needs to change, and it needs to change sooner rather than later. Okay, Greg Hobbs trial on the six-count criminal indictment is, at the time of this recording, scheduled for the end of July, July 29th. I've covered some, many of the issues around that on previous episodes, and I'm not going to say anything else about that at this time, but we'll just wait and see how events play out. Thank you so much for listening, and I will try to do these uh, a little bit more frequently in the future. Thank you again.